I know self-publishing is not for everyone. Nothing is. But if you've considered self-publishing for even a minute, listen up, because I'm betting I know what's holding you back from exploring it further or getting started. Number one, you think the self-publishing process is a lot harder than it actually is. And number two, you're understandably afraid of doing it, air quote, wrong. So I've created a new free resource for you. It's called the Self-Publishing Starter Kit, and you can get instant access to it by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting publishaprofitablebook.com forward slash self-publishing 101. In this free training, you'll discover the exact four steps to focus on and mistakes to avoid so you can publish an incredible book that's indistinguishable in quality from a New York Times bestseller without overthinking, overguessing, or overspending in areas that won't make a difference. Again, visit publishaprofitablebook.com forward slash self-publishing 101 to get instant access. Welcome to the Write the Damn Book Already podcast. My name is Elizabeth Lyons. I'm a five-time author, and I teach people how to write and publish powerful, thought-provoking nonfiction and memoir without overthinking or getting caught up in extreme overwhelm. Because your story and message matter, and it's about to become someone's very favorite resource. For more book writing, publishing, and how the heck do I move through this glitch tips and solutions, and plenty of free resources, visit publishaprofitablebook.com. Let's talk about how your message gets delivered and how that makes you feel differently in different mediums. When you're delivering your message like face-to-face, like this, I can't see you, which is weird, by the way. Um, And this is a hiccup that a lot of people have when they're not used to going live or they're not used to doing, um, whether they're Instagram lives, Facebook lives, whatever, because they're like, am I talking to anybody? And oftentimes I'm not, oftentimes I'm talking to myself. Like a lot of people watch on the replay, but they're not watching when I'm doing it. So people can get distracted by one of two things. You can get distracted by seeing how many people are watching. You can get distracted by seeing people joining and you can actually at a third get distracted when people start uh, leaving comments. So sometimes you have to train yourself. And one of the ways that I suggest people do this is to put a little sticky note. Now, again, we're talking about lives first, but put a sticky note over all the areas where like the comments are showing, where people are joining and where it shows you how many people are live with you. Just put that over it, pretend that you're talking to a thousand people and carry on as usual. It takes some practice. It's, it probably won't feel great the first time and maybe not the second time or the third time. Keep going and you'll get to the point where you just kind of tune it all out and you get better at multitasking and seeing when comments and things are coming in. The same dynamic is at play when you're used to talking to people face-to-face about the topic about which you're going to write your book. So for many people, they're used to being in a group, like standing in front of people physically. Um, And when that happens, you can gauge the audience. You can start to gauge people's reaction. Now, by the way, in my experience, this is both a pro and a con. It's a pro because if you're focused on the people or the person who are like all in, you know, you can see it in their eyes. They're like loving everything you deliver. You're like, this is great. And you, you, you build off that energy. On the flip side, I used to present from stages and think much more so than I do now. And
And it was hard for me for a long time because inevitably I would notice the person who could not look more bored. Like they looked bored, disgusted, and pissed all at the same time. And I was like, oh God. And so I would have to train myself to not focus on that person because that would make me second guess what I was saying, how I was saying it, and on and on and on. What was interesting about that is that I swear six times out of 10, that was the person who would come up to me afterwards and be like, that was magnificent. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? I wouldn't say to them, you looked like you wanted to escape. Like you wanted a pass to get out, like the, like the whole thing. So we can't judge it that way. But when people first start speaking to groups, one of my um, suggestions is often find the person and if you have to plant them there, if it has to be a plant, like your best friend, sister, partner, whatever, so that they are looking at you with rapt attention the whole time, plant them there in the front row. But find a person where you can focus your attention on them and their energy so that you don't get distracted questioning the value and the validity of what you're saying. All this to say that when we're speaking to people in that way where it's interactive, it we get we feed off energy. We like when someone this is why I do my Zoom calls this way with my clients, because I can see when they're confused. I can see when they're thinking. I can see what's going on and I can like pivot myself in order, like if a word doesn't land properly, if I use a word that they, because we all interpret words differently, words, even though there is a def, dictionary definition of every word, like if it's an emotional word, I mean, just ask Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart, whether it's like a, a feeling, if it's a feeling word, we all have a different experience with that feeling word and with that feeling. So the word dignity or the word self-respect or self-worth or value or determination or hustle, like I have a really not awesome reaction to the word hustle. Some people love the word hustle. If I'm speaking to someone face to face and I, I wouldn't say hustle, but let's say I did, and I can see them kind of like, like they roll their eyes or something, I know that I have an opportunity to go, okay, wait, did that not land for you? When you're writing a book or a post for that matter, but posts are different because you get feedback on the posts. So if you write a post and you talk about hustle, you know, you know, there are going to be plenty of people who are going to leave you comments like you're an idiot. Hustle is for the week. Like what, whatever they're going to say that you get that feedback with a book it's going in a permanent way out into the world and you have no idea. Like you have to commit to the words, the perspective, the message, the tone, irrespective of how it's gonna be received. And so that feels a little like, it makes you contract a little bit and it, it brings out the people pleaser, it brings out the perfectionist, it, it brings out all of those things. But I want to argue something. No, I don't want to argue something. I want to propose something, which is that that's not that bad. So it, even though it does those things, it's a huge opportunity because the most important, impactful thing we can do for ourselves, like we spend a lot of time when we're writing books, thinking and talking about how we're going to impact our reader. Super important. And like believing in the mission of that. There's another side 
that's also super important, which is how is the process of going on this adventure of writing this book and putting it out into the world, not knowing exactly how it's going to be received before it is, how will that impact me in a positive way? And this is one of the ways that it does that. So the ability to say what you want to say, assuming it's not assuming that no one's listening because that is makes no sense, right? But assuming that everyone who's listening is going to understand what you're saying, understand your intention, resonate with your words, like no one's going to come at you. If all those things are true, making that assumption, what do you want to say? And when you can answer that question and you can put it out into the world in that way, that is your growth right there. That is your growth. Because in the end, it's so important to allow yourself to be human in the sense that someone may come back later and say, okay, in chapter six, you talked about my self-worth and I was super offended. You know the saying, what other people, you, you may have heard this saying, what other people think of you is none of your business. I said this to someone yesterday and he had never heard the saying before and I was like blown away because I feel like everyone's saying it. But what other people think of you is none of your business. What other people think of your book is none of your business. In fact, it's entirely their business. Entirely. Because if your goal in writing the book and in putting the info out there is to serve and to help and to be impactful in a positive way, how they receive it is 100% their business because it's 100% reflective of where they are. Like what, where they are with that part of their journey. It has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you. Now, if you were going out there and you were trying to provoke people, that would be completely different. And I would, I would completely, we, we don't talk about that because it's not what we do. It's not what we do over here. But like being able to recognize that and remove the perfectionist tendencies and the people pleasing tendencies from what we're doing and come back to a space of, Hey, I'm just doing this to be of service and how they receive it is their business. And you may never know how they receive it, or you may know, which is another part of your own growth. Cause you know what? They might send you a DM. They might send you an email. They might write a crap Amazon review. Like it it probably will happen. And it's an opportunity for you to do a lot of things. Like in very rare instances, it's an opportunity for you to go, ooh, wow, good point. And then you can address that in, in a post, in an email, in a live, like whatever. You may or may not know the story many, many years ago. Well, it wasn't many, many years ago, but it was like probably in the last five to 10 years, Brene Brown was on stage and she was talking about something and she used the phrase, I felt so gypped. And after the, the thing was over, someone from the audience, an audience member approached her very respectfully, like was not mad, not, not, but very respectfully and said, listen, I don't know if I'm going to assume you don't know this because I know that you're a compassionate, caring person. But to use that, that is a really offensive phrase, because if you do identify as part of the gypsy community, it's a stereotype that's been laid upon this community. And I think this person identified as being a member of the gypsy community, um, that gypsies like are disingenuous and don't have integrity and steal from people. And Brene Brown was like, holy 
shit. Like I had no idea. It's just a phrase I've heard all my life, much like bees knees or rule of thumb or whatever else, where once we understand where that phrase, I don't know about bees knees, but I learned yesterday where rule of thumb came from. Like once we understand where those things came from, we only understand it contextually, but we don't understand it conceptually and historically. And once we understand it, we can be like, I'm never saying that again. So being gypped has just become a phrase that has become associated with just like a like loose language of like, I got ripped off. But it, Brene, and I didn't know until Brene told the story. So then what, she, what Brene Brown did with this was she didn't just keep it to herself. She went out and I don't remember if she wrote a post or she used it as part of her speaking or whatever it was, probably all of the above. Because then she was like, I didn't know this. How many other people don't know this? So she used it to educate. And you can do the exact same thing. You're not putting out a book. You're not writing content saying, I know everything and everything I think is right 100% of the time and I'm not open to having my own mind changed because you're trying to change someone else's perspective or you're at least offering a new perspective. Again, we can't commit ourselves to like our reader's transformation we can't commit our we can't be committed and attached to the timing of it or the what like what it looks like that's it's that's very dangerous and scary and rarely ends well but they're doing their own thing we're do in the same way we're doing our own thing so like what you write in your book may not resonate may not land it may actually piss off a reader today but something might compel your reader to pick up your book again in six months or a year. And by then, given the work they've done on themselves, perhaps, they'll see it differently. They'll receive it differently. And now they'll be able to absorb it and actually make it part of their tool set and use it to, as they move forward. And now they're grateful. So whereas once they wrote a crap one-star Amazon review, now they're like, okay, I take it all back. And as a perfect example of that, and this didn't necessarily have to do with my book, but it could have, when I wrote my very first book, which was for, uh, or is for uh, parents of newborn twins, I was doing a lot of speaking to expectant parents of, of twins and triplets and quads at the, my local hospital back in outside Chicago. And I did a speaking thing one night, same thing I'd done umpteen times before. And I shared with this group of expectant parents that I thought it would be a good idea to have, if you were going to bottle feed, to have at least 20 bottles on hand, 10 per baby. And a now friend of mine looked at me like I had grown horns and like I was the devil incarnate and the whole thing. And she, she, I, I knew I had lost her. So I like pivoted my focus because I was like, this girl wants to exit immediately. She can't stand me. And she actually emailed me like, maybe eight weeks later, her babies had been born by that point. And she said, Elizabeth, I gotta be honest, which she didn't have to be honest, I knew. She said, I have to be honest, when I sat in that, uh, that session, I thought you were lazy, crazy, or just stupid to suggest that we needed you know, 20 bottles, but I, I wanna come, come out, come forward, and acknowledge that there's now like 26 bottles in my kitchen, and like, I get it. So if I had judged myself, and not been able to put say, say, here's what I suggest. Like, here's what worked for me. And acknowledge that there are gonna be people who are like, that's stupid. That will never work. But give it time for reality to set in and them to change their mindset and, and, and life to take over. And you know what? They might come back later and be like, hmm. And all the more reason for you to not keep contracting and not saying what you wanna say. 
But again, when you don't have that instant feedback that you may or may not be used to, if you're used to coaching one-on-one, if you're used to talking to groups, if you're used to just talking to people like face-to-face about this topic, it might feel kind of weird to sit in a vacuum and, and write not knowing like, how's this gonna land? How's this gonna land with this person or this person or this person? You're not gonna know. So the solution is come from a place of, if I knew that everyone who reads this book is gonna know where my heart is, what my intention is, and they're gonna resonate with the words that I use to describe the feelings that I had and the experiences that I experienced, what do I want to say? And then that removes that like that gate that's trying to keep you safe by being like, don't say that. Maybe you shouldn't say it that way. Maybe you should use the word self-esteem instead of self-worth. Maybe you should use the word trajectory. Like I've had people tell me that certain words trigger, the word trigger triggers people. And I've had people say to me, well, do you think I should not use the word trigger? Cause I know the word trigger triggers people. I'm like the word blue triggers some people. Like, I don't know what to say, it, you know? So that isn't about what you should do. That's about what you're thinking about the whole thing. So I hope that's helpful. If you are someone who is used to talking about your, you know, if you're, if you're feeling stuck and you can, um, uh, identify with being someone who can go, oh yeah, it is kind of weird to just write like in a vacuum and not get that instantaneous either gratification or disgust and not know what to do with it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, this is your friendly reminder to follow or subscribe, leave a quick review and share it with someone you know has a great story or message, but isn't sure what to do next. Also, remember to check out publishaprofitablebook.com for book writing resources and tips and to see all the ways we can work together to get your book out into the world. Again, thanks so much for listening and I'll talk with you again soon.